Welcome to this week's Connect Life Word Session, brought to you by Victory in the Word Outreach Toronto. In these Word Sessions, it's all about connecting our lives to the Word of God so that we can live out our faith in really practical ways. Together, we are learning how to stand in truth, triumph over challenges, and thrive in purpose, releasing the sound of victory as we go. Hi everyone, Dr. Michelle here with you once again for another weekly Word session. For the next few moments, we're going to open the Word of God. We're going to devour it. That's it. We're just going to just feast on the Word of God so that we can get the wisdom that we need to live a victorious life. A life that is filled with the joy of the Lord, uh, the peace of the Lord, a life that is focused, it has direction, and it has a purpose. This is the life that is promised to us as we walk with God every day. So as we begin, let me say a word of blessing over you. I, I really sense in my heart today that there are some people who may feel alone. You may feel like God is not with you. He's not hearing you. He's not doing what you're asking him to do. But I want to tell you today that God has made a promise that he will not leave us nor forsake us. He's in it for the long haul. So let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are an ever-present God. Even when we don't feel it, even when we can't, you know, sense the, the feeling of your presence, you are still here. And I pray specifically for those who are feeling alone today, who are feeling that uh, they're in it by themselves. And they're calling out to you. They don't hear you answer. They're looking for your movements. They're not seeing it. They're not feeling you. I just want to speak over their hearts that you are there. And when we cannot feel you, may we trust you. May we trust your word. You, you don't lie, God. You said you're with us. You, even when we get ourselves in the worst of circumstances, you don't abandon the ship. You don't leave us. You are with us to help us to make it out and make it back to the place where you called us to be. So thank you for being an ever-present God. And may we today know and trust that you are with us and to rely on your love to guide us and to rest in the truth that you are faithful in your love. And we bless you and we, I bless our viewers in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I tell you, when we, we think on the faithfulness of God, you know, have you ever been in a moment where you're just like, ah, oh God, you're just not here, you're not doing it, it's not working, I don't know what's happening, I have. And then you get through it and you look back and you're like, oh, okay, there you were. Okay, I understand. You know, it is said that hindsight is 20-20 vision, right? But God is faithful. Let me just remind you that, of that as we get into the word today. God is faithful. I've had to remind myself that of that countless times. I've had other people remind me of that and I'm doing that for you today. God is faithful. When you can't feel, trust that he is not flippant like, like we are. He doesn't waver between different opinions. He's consistent and he's constant. And where you are, he is right there. All right, so as we talk about where he is, we're talking about the kingdom's culture, what it looks like to live 
under the rule and the leadership of God. We live in a world um, that has many different cultures, different communities, different countries, different ways of life. And we determine uh, what is right, what is norm, what is best. And that changes every now and then, but it's really the determination of mankind. But there is a culture that God determines. And as his children, as part of his family, as part of his community, we must learn what his culture is and then embrace that culture as our own. So anytime there's a conflict between God's kingdom's culture and the culture that we grew up in or the culture of our family, we submit to his and allow his to lead the way and help us to determine how to respond, how to speak, how to interact. The kingdom's culture is the culture that reflects the character of God, the heart of God, the mind of God, and the potential for all of its citizens, all of his children. We have been in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 1 with a little bit of a recap, and I'm going to end at verse 8, which is our uh, verse of uh, focus for today. And seeing the multitudes, he, meaning Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, this, this instruction of Jesus, or this more, more of a description of what a person who is filled with God and living under his leadership and his rule, you know, how they act, how they think, how they behave. This, this description is connected to the blessed life. If we do all these, these things, if we act this way, as uh, Matthew 5 has outlined for us, then we will experience a truly blessed life. Now, this has nothing to do with how many cars we have, how many houses we have, how much money is a bank account. All of that is good, right? That stuff is good. But when it talks about the blessings of God, it's not just tangible. It is that inner life of peace and joy and contentment, knowing that we are in alignment with God. We are doing what he asks and we're following in the direction that he has set out for us to follow so if we do these things we will experience that type of life and that's what we all want right because jesus said hey yeah i know the thief has come to steal and kill and destroy but i have come that you may have life and have it to the full have it abundant this is the type of victorious life that he has for us now in this verse it says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god Usually I'll start off with a pure in heart and then I'll go to the second part, but I'm going to go to the second part first, show you the importance of this instruction, and then go back to how it's done. So the second part is, for they shall see God. Those who are pure in heart shall see God. This is so critical and it is the motivation for having a pure heart. Because if the motivation doesn't have value to you, you're not going to do the work that it takes to have the pure heart. The motivation here is that you get to see God, right? What higher motivation is that? Than that, you get to see God. 
as you are living on this earth, the scripture says no man can really see God as with your natural eyes, but we are able to perceive God, to behold God, to, to see God moving in our lives, in our world, in our communities, in our families. And what does that really look like? Well, you're able to discern, to understand, to trace and to track God's heart his passions, his desires, what he wants to do, his blueprint, his strategies, you can see God at work. And it is so powerful when you can see that because that's not to pacify you and, you know, just cause you to check out and like, well, you know, God is moving. No, it causes you to be fully engaged with this life because you're not just living from a natural level with um, every decision you're making based on what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you can touch, but you are making decisions based on what is the wisdom of God that is really happening behind the scenes that the average person cannot see. That's how you live a life above your challenges. When you're able to discern God and you don't fly off the handle because this happened, but you can say, okay, God, I can see you moving. I don't like how it feels in my flesh. I'm not really understanding how all the pieces are working together, but I can trace you and I can track you. And I, I know that you said you're going to do this so I can, I can hold on here because you're faithful to your word. You can discern God and you need to discern God to be able to live this life. Especially when we will have so much opposition of people saying, hey, this God story, this Jesus story, we don't got time for that. That's some man's invention. That's, you know, to help people to check out in life and just for those who need affirmation and all kinds of stuff. You have heard it, I'm sure. I have heard it. Why we, we love God, why we serve God. That's for the week. In order to stand up to that and live your life fully, you got to be able to see God. You got to be able to perceive God. And then also, when we die and <laughs> we start our, our, the rest of our life um, in eternity, we're going to actually be able to see God face to face. That's what we're working towards. That's what we're, that's what we're living towards, to be able to behold him and just to see him and to know him and to love him and to thank you. Thank him. And there's a part of Revelation I just love. It says that, you know, in that place, that New Jerusalem, when we, when we see God and stuff, you know, at the end of all the times and things that will happen, there's going to be no sun and no moon because he's going to light up the place. We're not going to need our, like any other type of light source because the beauty and the radiance of God is going to be amazing, spectacular. It's going to light up everything. So those are things that, you know, excite me because can you just imagine what that's like? So coming back, <laughs> I tell you the word's so good. Coming back to this verse, the motivation is that we're going to see God. We're going to perceive him. We're going to be able to track him, to trace him, to behold him. In the, even in the darkest times and in the highest of moments, we can see God. And then in eternity, we'll actually see God. So that's our motivation. That's what we're working towards. How do we get there? We need to be pure in heart. Now, the word for pure right there is one of uh, the, uh, the, um, the original words from which we get catharsis. I don't know if you know that word catharsis or something is cathartic in a sense that you do an activity that helps you to release your pent up emotions or could be pent up frustrations, uh, all those things that are inside of you, you, you get an opportunity to, to purge them, to release them so that you can reclaim your emotional space, <laughs> reclaim your emotional uh, uh, territory so that you can live a life that is um, 
abundant, but also a life that is productive. So you hear people talk about having a moment that's cathartic. You're able to get it all out to be able to move forward in a clear, in a focused, in an open way in your life. And that just allows you to be more focused. So the word cathartic actually finds its origins in the word, the original word that is used in the biblical text for pure. So it's not just that something is pure, it is completely clean without spot or without blemish, but it's the process of removing impurities so that it is pure. I want you to, to get that. Because when you look at that scripture, you can think to yourself, well, I don't have a pure heart. Like it's not completely pure all the time. And so that means I can never see God. That's not the feeling behind this verse. The feeling behind this verse is that we're doing what is necessary to cleanse our hearts, to purify our hearts so that we can see and continue to see God. And yes, there is work involved. There is work involved. So you know, a pure heart is one that is uh, is free from corrupt desires, from corrupt thinking, from evil scheming, from you know bitterness and anger and rage and all those things in a that block the flow, the free flow of the gift of life that God has given us. That's when he means a pure heart. That we're not scheming and cheating and and you know one of the things that Jesus says, he's like you know. And, and Moses said to you, if you if you sleep with a person who's not your, your spouse, you commit adultery. And Jesus says, when he comes, he's like, listen, I'm telling you, if you even think it, you've already committed the sin. And I'm like, that has been, <laughs> that has been, you know, one of the rulers in my life as well is not so much just doing the, the thing or stealing something or lying or some of that, but when you think it, when you plan it in your mind, you've already committed it. And so that is why we continually come before God and say, Lord, you know, I repent. I, these are the things, show me the things in my heart that are not like you. We were in that mode to live a life that is clean and pure before God. And um, it's so important because from the heart, all of our, our lives, issues, direction, um, choices, quality, everything flows from our heart. The scripture tells us that, you know, to keep your heart with all diligence, do your work to keep your heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life. You, the direction, the choices that you make, you really make it with your heart. Not the, the physical organ that pumps the blood, no, but it's that seat and center of your soul that feels that things and causes you to make decision. So what he's really saying is that in order for you to see God and to perceive God, the center of your being is got to be clean and pure, open and free. Now, doesn't that just make sense? <laughs> doesn't, like if your heart is packed up with all kinds of things and issues and it hurts that you have not allowed yourself to heal from and vendettas and vengeance, how are you going to actually move in a way that pleases God because he is contrary to everything that is evil. So what he's really saying, hey, if you want to see me, if you want to perceive me, if you want to know me, right? You got to do the work to let your heart be pure. And he's not just saying, go, little child, do it on your own. No, he's saying, hey, and I'm here to help. The spirit has been given to lead us into truth. And truth is at the heart of purity. God's truth is at the heart of purity. And so as he leads us into truth, 
then we're going to see more and more as Jeremiah said, listen, the human heart is most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's what the prophet said. That is why later on, God gives a big proclamation. I'm going to take your heart of stone. I'm just going to take it and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. He's going to change the heart and I'm going to write my laws in it and he's going to dwell in it and it's going to change your very existence and the way you live and do life. That's what God tells you, tells us in his word. So the heart is so important because it's with the heart we make decisions. And sometimes we make decisions based on emotions. And all of us can attest to uh, the disasters that come at times because we do it just because of how we feel in the moment. But if we really want to see God, if we really want to perceive God and be able to track and follow God in our lives, then we really have to allow him to cleanse our heart. And that's not with him taking a magic wand and going, zoop, you're, you're, you're good. Even when he does the heart transplant with salvation, he's like, I will give you my heart. It's a process. It is a process of, of allowing the fruit of the spirit to, to grow in us, to submitting our will to ourselves, getting our minds to be transformed, to think like the word does, think like Jesus does, and continually bring our hearts before him so that we can see the things in it that don't please him. And then we can do the work to get rid of them. He wants to not only be with us, he desires to dwell in the heart. And he is a God of complete holiness. That is why he requires an environment of purity. If we are pure in heart, we will see God. And I want to read you one more scripture as we, we close today. I pray that this, uh, this teaching would have stirred your thinking as how it's even possible to live with a clean heart and see God. And this is um, from Ephesians chapter 5, and just two verses. It says, it talks about husbands and wives, but listen to this clearly. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. This is his desire for his bride, which is the church, the global church, that he gave himself for us and he is preparing the bride, preparing us to be able to be in that intimate relationship with him. And he does it by sanctifying us, by cleansing us with the wa washing of the water by the word of the word through the scriptures, through his presence, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's continually washing us, sanctifying us, cleansing us so that our end state would be a glorious church that we won't have anything to tarnish us, any evil thought, evil consideration, selfish motivation, nothing. We would actually look like him. And you know, in this world that we live, 
the the industry of self-enhancement is a multi-billion dollar industry all of us want to look better we want to present ourselves better what jesus is talking about is he's doing the internal work so from the inside out we will look like him and that we would be worthy of the relationship to which he has called us so blessings to you, blessings to you, blessings to you as you go. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. May we do the work. May we submit to the high calling. And may we have joy in the journey. Dr. Michelle, signing off for another week. Can't wait to return next week as we continue to move forward in Kingdom Culture 101. Continue to share the videos, like the videos, subscribe to our channel. Let's get the word out there that there is victory in the word. Blessings.